Yes, a 20-year debate on if and how to recognise First Nations Australians in the Constitution will be settled later today, dare I add, for now. If polling over the past months is correct, uh, that work towards recognition by a wide range of people will almost certainly fail this particular test, with the latest figures suggesting the no case will succeed. Now, I do stress we're talking about polling, which of course is fallible, but in this case, there's been a steady trend towards no in all the major polls, including those done by my guest, Cos Samaras, who is the director of the polling company Redbridge Group Australia. Cos, welcome to Saturday Extra. Good morning. Um, what, are, what are your last thoughts as uh, people as the polls are about to open in 10 minutes' time in certain parts of Australia anyway? It looks pretty difficult to see the uh, proposed amendment getting up. Uh, if you look at the polls, and not just ours, but every every single published poll is pointing towards a, a, a majority no vote. Uh, but, in, but more importantly also, we've got to keep in mind that this is a, a double majority election, so with the... Uh, proposed amendment needs to get the support of four states plus the national vote, which includes the ACT and the Northern Territory. Uh, the, the challenge there for any proposed um, uh, amendment is that uh, you need to get Queensland on side. Given the size of the population, it, it tends to um, have a significant, uh, uh, I would say, impact on all referendums that have been proposed in this country over the last 100 years. If you, can, if you don't have it on side, you, um, history tells us you, you can't get, get an amendment up. So what, even if it is bipartisan, well, if it's bipartisan support, I suppose that... Usually, that, that's right. ...counters yeah. that, right. Yeah, that's right. Because exactly. that gets Queensland on side. <laughs> exactly, correct. So, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's what history tells us. Uh, look, I'm hoping with you we can sort of look broadly and narrowly in a mm. sense. Um, would you say that it was the yes cases campaign to lose because, I mean, they did start with a solid lead when polling mm. first began on this issue earlier this year. Is that how you see it? That's how I see it. Uh, look, it's critical that if you're uh, proposing an amendment to the Constitution, you get out there with detail as soon as possible and and, and you uh, communicate that to the, to, to the electorate um, in, in a very, very big way. Uh, and what happened at the beginning of the year was exact, the exact opposite. So along comes the no campaign and fills that vacuum. Uh, and then once that happens, and then uh, it becomes pretty difficult. That was made even even more difficult once Dutton um, announced that he was he was opposing the um, the uh, proposed amendment, and, and and hence the the loss of bipartisan support. So now that's interesting. In your if you'd been offering advice, because mm. there's all sorts of advice being yeah. floating around, as you know, and I mean, right up mm. to the to the present day, you would have given detail fast, early. Absolutely, they took the wrong lessons out of the 1999 Republic uh, uh, referendum, where the criticism back then was there was too much detail and it confused voters, and they 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 obviously um, rejected that proposal. Uh, on this occasion, what was really needed was was detail because. Followed, obviously, was a, a campaign by the by those who were opposing the proposed amendment uh, um, that was focused on basically filling in that vacuum and and running all sorts of uh, I, would, I would define them as propaganda lines. Um, 
and and unfortunately for for the, for the yes camp uh, that uh, what what the no camp did was um, get a lot of traction. Yes, I mean, I read a, a very interesting piece from a man to, called, whom I don't know, Michael McQueen, who's a social analyst, mm. who was writing, I think, even a week ago, go for emotion, go for emotion, go for big. Absolutely. I, I thought, I completely disagree with you. But obviously, mm. this was still very live and maybe there are differing views. Mm. Yeah, emotion... You know, I've run I've run campaigns myself for for the Labor side of politics. Uh, we when when we when we put together a campaign, uh, yes, there is detail there, but you always then frame it with an emotional angle. So um, you put out the detail, and then you use emotional levers to ba- to to capture the people's attention and and, and um, uh, get them on side. Uh, I, I notice in your summary of July, your Redbridge poll summary, you said mm. there are two sentences that really hit me. A mm. third of uncertain voters found the lack of details in the voice was the most yes. compelling reason to vote no. Second, yes. there was no single argument for yes, yes that either group of voters found overwhelmingly compelling. That's right. How did that happen? Again, lack of detail, right? So... They're not picking. They were at that time. They weren't picking up a succinct, centralised, uh, disciplined message. That's how you how I define the yes campaign. Even in the way they've communicated this, um, the one thing the no camp has done, and they've had limited resources. That their their budget was only a fraction of the size of what yes had at, at their disposal. Was to be uh, ruthlessly disciplined in not only as to who told the story, but how they told it. Uh, with the yes campaign, there were different different narratives, different propositions. Nothing was ever consistent, um, and that's pretty hard because the other thing that we did pick up in our research is that those who were undecided not only didn't pick up the detail, but weren't engaging with the campaign, and that was the the, the other bigger challenge. But that's why they might have thought go for the heart, go for, for emotions would mm. get them in and, that you know, that tremendously the rhetoric very much, well, we're getting it right mm. to the day for the, for the different type of Australia, et cetera. Now, I mean, you know, maybe people could have persuaded themselves that was the way to, to, in, to engage the disengaged. Yeah, look, if I was to you, uh, the, the, the Yes campaign did produce a really good ad, uh, but um, really late in, in, in the whole scheme of things. And that was the ad with the Aboriginal um, child that oh, yes. d- uh, delivered very powerful. Now, if they ran that at the beginning of the but campaign... He, he could be anything he wanted to be if... If, if, you, if, voted if, yes. if you voted yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In, incredibly powerful. What, the, what that child was asking Australians was, um, vote for this so I can live as long as you, so I can watch my parents grow old like you did. And and that's a very powerful pitch because that's um it's uh, it's an inclusionary approach, uh, and they th- that was too late. So they really, I think they launched that around the um, AFL NRL grand final mm. um, week, and, and yeah, it just didn't get traction. Now the campaign's been quite different this time in that most major institutions in Australia have come out in support <coughs> of the yes case. Big corporates, most yeah. sporting codes, you know, lots of prominent Australians and so on. What do you make of that? Yeah, so the Yes campaign did um, obviously uh, um, early on and I would say even up until middle part of this year uh, really focused on uh, selling the, the narrative that, that um, the big end of town was supporting the Yes pro- proposition. That was a critical error. Um, there are large parts of this country, particularly in the outer suburbs of our large cities and, and regions that really have 
significant levels of mistrust towards large corporations and what I would define as, as successful Australia. Um, so using those platforms or um, corporate entities to uh, back in a, a narrative that, you know, the, the country's moving in one direction was a, was a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> It's, gee, it's hard to read. It says, I mean, it, it, there's quite a few um, insights to be gained, aren't there, about Australia yeah. from this referendum, even more than an election campaign, arguably? Absolutely. Look, the, the one thing I would say is if you want to gain significant social reform like this pr- proposition, you cannot do it without the support of, of what I would define as uh, low-income, unsuccessful Australians. These are people who are living in the outer suburbs of our large cities and our regional towns who are experiencing significant financial stress, who, who don't trust large companies, don't trust politicians, that's certainly the case, uh, are falling um, more and more into a mindset that the political system is stacked against them. Uh, and it, you, if you can't get their support, if, sorry, if you don't address their, con- their concerns and their plight, then uh, any any proposition around social reform is going to come up uh, against a very huge wall of resistance. So aren't they aspirational at all? Is that what you're finding? No. Really? No, absolutely not. No, they've lost uh, that the aspirational element, which, I, you know, John Howard used to harp on about this for some time. Yeah, it probably applied to to the generation of voters he was pitching to. But when you talk about these sort of voters in the outer suburbs, they're, no, they're not aspirational. Um, <clears throat> we have some research coming up this weekend where um, – uh, you know, this has been narrative that the the um, voters between 18 and 35 are the biggest supporters of the yes proposition. That's true, but those between the that age, those within individuals in that age group who live in the outer suburbs are more likely to not turn up to vote and have have engaged the least with the campaign. Uh, and that's an, another story there. What was I think? remarkable, actually, was reading that, and I read this several times, it was almost as if the more they knew, you know, the, the almost rebutting, mm. the, if you don't know, vote no, they actually, people did go out and try to find things yeah. out. But the more they knew, the more they turned against it. Even in some, I mean, we won't know until the end of the day, I mm. accept that. Um, but even in some sort of supposedly progressive suburbs, where the, which the Teals represent, so what do you think was happening there? So by that stage of the campaign, that you know, you've got the significant levels of opposition, you have Aboriginal people who are making very clear noises to, to, to the voting public that they oppose this. Um, you don't have bipartisan support. People get really sceptical about what's going on. They think it's, it's a political fist fight. It's no longer... Yeah, the beginning them. of the year. Mm. That's right. Mm. And the beginning of the year, this 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 proposal was above politics. By the middle of the year, it became all about politics. And then once that happened, people people's uh, I would say BS radar is is in full flight. Yes, I mean people have <coughs> been writing about the degree of risk. Michelle Grattan wrote a very interesting mm. piece yesterday um, that you know how risky is it in in effect to have set out on this journey. Now, what, what's your judgment now? Yeah, you, I mean, this campaign has been fairly bruising for Aboriginal people in this country and there's no doubt about that. There were levels of, I would say, aggressive racism out there have been through the roof and it's been a fairly nasty campaign. 
So there's been a price paid for um, pursuing a, a, an outcome. Um, what should have been done at the beginning of the year was lock in that bipartisan support um, and think about how Queenslanders are going to vote because history tells you that unless you've got those two elements in, um, locked in, you're going to fail. And look, a brief answer, if you wouldn't mind, Cos. Um, mm. What next? I mean, the the discussion could become <coughs> what to do now, what to do on Sunday. How would you answer? Yeah. Alban- well, Albanese, the Albanese government's got no choice but to pivot back into the economic um, space. Uh, the one clear signal that they're getting from the electorate right now is they want this government to focus on those issues. So I think we'll see a very dr- uh, dramatic um, uh, 90-degree turn from, from uh, Albanese and his, and his team. Okay. Oh, well, we'll, we'll watch with interest. Cos Samaras, thank you very oh, much indeed. You. Cheers. Cos is the director of polling company Redbridge Group. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.